All right. Happy Wednesday. We're broadcasting again from the Fellowship Paul, Brother Mac, in his uh, Wednesday Bible study. Again, from the Fellowship Hall, no video because the youth is practicing in the sanctuary, getting ready for Christmas. So we'll take you live to the Fellowship Hall now. And uh, here's Brother Mac. Tyler Hayes, let's remember him. Um, he had his funeral, the family had the funeral today, and there was a lot of people there. And uh, good message, and thank God uh, um, for uh, blessing the family today. They seem to be doing okay. Uh, and it's hard this time of the year, and to lose a son is very difficult. So let's remember uh, both the father and the mother. You know, they, they grew up in this church, them boys did, and, and I remember Miss Sandra Hayes. Uh, she was a faithful member for many, many, many years, and them boys were her. Well, actually, Scotty was the son, and Tyler was the grandson, I think it was. So let's continue to pray for them. Others? Let's pray together tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for, Lord, most of all, Jesus, your Son, Lord. Lord, bless this Bible study tonight, Lord, that it touches our hearts and help us understand, dear Father, the message in your Word, the message in Jesus' prayer, Lord, for the next generations being united in God, dear Father, in your Father, dear Father. Lord, bless us, dear Father, to understand all that is in front of us, Lord, in the next year, dear Father, all the trials that we'll go through, dear Father, and all the things of this world, we need your help, dear Father, and all these lovely people, loving people, Lord, that's on our minds tonight, Pauline and Buddy's uh, sister-in-law, and sister uh, Carolyn, Lord, be with her, bless her as she goes through her surgery, Brother Zach, as he goes through his cancer, Lord, Lord, touch Sister Carolyn, dear Father. Touch her dearly. Lord, remove that spot, dear Father. Lord, when they go take the MRI, it's not even there anymore, Lord. We know that you're the almighty healer, Lord. Bless her. Touch her, Lord. Continue to touch Brother William Capps, Father. Be with him. Touch him, Lord. And Miranda on Monday, Lord. Touch the uh, surgeon's hands, Lord. Touch that baby. Touch Miranda and touch the family in a mighty way, Lord. We know. We know that you're in charge, dear Lord. And Lord, be with Casey and her baby tonight. And Lord, Michelle's husband, Lord, be with him. Touch him and heal his body, Lord. And everything, dear Father, we want to praise you and glorify you tonight, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word, Lord. This truly is an opportunity, Lord. It's a blessing to be able to teach your word, Lord. Be with us tonight, Lord. Be with me, Lord. That every word I say is anointed through your word and your glory. In thy name we pray. Amen and amen. I only got two verses tonight. Uh, I really uh, uh, just, the Lord blessed me mightily as my heart beginning to read just, I read the, the rest of the chapter, but the two verses kind of caught my attention for this message. And the two verses are in uh, uh, John 17, um, and it's verses uh, 20 and 21. If you remember uh, last week, I'll, re I'll refresh our memory on that a little bit in just a, a minute, but... His disciples was basically this, what I call the second or the mid uh, part of the prayer. And what he, uh, last week's prayer was about sanctifying them as he is sanctified. Remember, we, we'll refresh our memory on that. But Jesus prayed strongly and actually used the word sanctify, I think about three times or four times in the couple verses that we read. So he felt it was very important for them to be separated 
from this world. And the same thing with us. And we'll again, we'll refresh that in a minute. But tonight, we're getting into what we call the third part of His prayer. And I've titled that Generations Unborn. Is part three, Generations Unborn. So Jesus is praying for the future. And as I mentioned as I go through, I think about He being all-knowing and all-understanding. I, I just believe that Jesus knew today where this church would be and where we're at. And He was praying for us. He was praying for each one of us. And that, you know, He was praying for salvation. And I, you know, I, just, I just know that He was looking ahead and thinking about all of His church being united as we're going to read tonight. So let's read uh, 20 and 21, and then we'll go, uh, re, uh, go back and look at last week briefly. 20, verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, meaning not only for His disciples. You can see Him now transition into the future. But for them also which shall believe on me through their word. In other words, through the disciples' word that they're teaching God's word. And uh, then when you look at 21, they that... Um, they... I'm sorry. That they all may be one. We're going to talk about that a lot tonight. Uh, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. You know what, that last part, I want to talk about a little bit uh, too at near the end. I'm going to break it down a little bit about what he's meaning in, in here tonight. I, I have some stuff on my heart I want to share with you. But when I think about that the world may believe that, that they has sent me. You know, the way we teach the world, yes... We teach, we preach, we uh, do a lot of talking, right? A lot of talking. But I really think the most important thing that he's saying right here, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, is the way we live, the actions, our actions every day, the way we you know, love each other and bless each other, and the way we love our enemies, the way we touch our enemies, the way we help each other. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But let's first do a quick review of last week. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, verses 15 and 16, um, he said, I pray not that they be taken out of this world, but they, that they should be, uh, that you know, you, God keep them from the evil of this world. In other words, as we talked about, he wanted them to live separate of this world because this world can influence you if you let it. And, and you have to be careful. And he wanted God to protect them, as we talked about. And they are not of this world, even as I'm not. So he complimented them in his prayer. He's saying, God, they believe. As I've, we talked about in previous lessons, how he had been teaching them, and now Jesus feels like he, you know, they have the faith. They believe. They don't know everything. They haven't learned everything. But at this point, they believe. And believing is the first part of it. And then from there you learn more and more. So he's saying that I believe that they are already separate of this world because they believe in me as your son. So Jesus knew, as I began last week, that uh, he wanted his disciples, we had just gotten out of uh, the section where he's talking about give them joy and peace, give them my kind of joy. And Jesus knew the kind of joy he had was the kind of joy that they could go through tough situations and trials and things like that. For example, Jesus was about to go through a whip and being cutted, cut and wearing a thorn of crowns and being crucified, but yet He had joy and peace. 
He's saying, give, me, give them that joy and peace as we talked about before. And he mentioned in his word that the world is going to hate him, hate them. Well, you know, hate's a strong word as I mentioned last week, but also Lord Jesus told us in his word that the word hate would come out. You know, that they would hate the, uh, uh, Jesus' followers. There would be people that would hate him. The Lord knew that what his disciples was about to go through. And I still am just blessed when I think about how 11 men went out and changed the world. Just 11 men changed the world. What an impact we, as a church body of 80 to 100 people, what we could do in changing Pine Level, in changing the community, and changing, making changes. What a wonderful thought. Um, in Romans 8, no matter how much they were going to be hated, how much trial they went through, I, I love this verse, and I think I may be repeating it maybe a second or third time from over the last several weeks, but Romans 8 and 18, Paul wrote, and, and the word reckon, I thought was funny in there, but I reckon the suffering of this present time, and this is the great, great Apostle Paul writing, are not worthy to be even compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us that believe. What a, what something we can hold on to. Think about what Paul was saying. What we're going through don't even compare to what we're going to be. Where we're going to be in heaven and the, the joy and the peace of God. And you know what? I even, I even carried it a step further one time before because I believe this. God can give us that same joy and peace right here on earth. Remember, Jesus had it in the flesh. He was here on this earth knowing what He was going to go through, but He had joy and peace. God give them that joy and peace. What a wonderful thought. We can have joy and peace. And we sometimes don't believe that, but we should put our faith in Him. Bring out the old good book as they say and start reading it and encourage you. It'll strengthen you. So we need to understand that joy and peace can be given to us right here on earth but we still got much, much more to look forward to in heaven. The Jesus knew that, as I mentioned, that His disciples had a lot to learn. And they, but the main thing is, the main thing, it's just like salvation. If you truly get saved, you grasp who Jesus Christ really is. You understand that He is your Savior. He's the one that you should look to. And then everything else you'll learn as you read and study. And that's what He was saying in His wording over this chapter in His prayer, is that, you know, I know they've still got a lot to learn, but Father, protect them, keep them. And, but you know what? They knew enough. And you know what? We know enough once we've been, been saved. And then he, gets, he starts getting into sanctification. Um, but you know, I think about how they knew not only Jesus, they had realized and understood that Jesus was leaving them, but they really believed that the Comforter was coming too also. And thank God, we already have it. We have the Holy Spirit to comfort us. Let's don't lose sight of that. You know, um, they had witnessed a lot of things and they wanted to be close to Jesus and that was the main thing. That's the thing that we have to desire is to be closer and closer to Jesus as I mentioned last week. The, and, but what comes with that, and that's why I brought this up last week, what comes with becoming closer and closer with Jesus, y'all know that the world's going to push us further and further away. We're going, and it separates us more and more. The closer we get to Jesus, the more separated we'll be, the more we'll be resisted in this world. And we have to understand that. We have to realize that. That's what Jesus is praying to us, to even us in the future. We have to understand that it's not an easy trip but it's a wonderful trip if we hold on to Him and give it all to Him.
Um, so the stronger they felt, the more ugly the rejection was. As we know, they all became martyrs, uh, but they still were able to carry out the Word of God. You know, the, the disciples, uh, as they say, would no longer fit into this world, but they became world changers, as I talked about, and, and I referred to some um, uh, scriptures and, and about what world changer means, and that was in Romans 2, 1 and 2, and also in 2 Corinthians. You know, the bottom line is, a person with the heart of Jesus and a person with the heart of the world live in two different hemispheres in a way. But they can be next door neighbors. But they live certainly differently. And that's important. For those that are in that other hemisphere, it's very important that they can see that you're in a different hemisphere. Do y'all know what I mean by that? Absolutely. They must see that we live. If we get ugly, if we do wrong things, and we you know, participate in the world things, it means nothing to them. They're like, who is your God? Who is your Jesus? So it's very important. It's very important. And you know where we get that strength is what I've been teaching. We can't do it on our own. We must hold on to Jesus Christ. And then 17, 18, and 19 were the verses where He talked about sanctification and the importance of sanctification. You know, and it led into principle 8. Principle 8 last week, spiritual leaders and Christians with the heart like Jesus pray for the understanding and the gift of sanctification. We pray. We want to pray to God that we are not part of this world. That we are separated from this world is what uh, Jesus is praying praying for us. The, to, uh, this understanding of separation comes from a Greek word that I talked about last week that means set apart. That means uh, spiritually set apart. Spiritually set apart. That's important. We cannot try to live a separated life in the physical life. You can't do it. You, don't, you know, that's trying to do it yourself. You're not going to be able to do it as we've talked about. And I mentioned the importance of, you know, well, I, I talked about a symbol of what God's really meaning about separation. And that's the, I used the word marriage. The, God's intent for marriage is to, for these two people you know, that marry to separate themselves from everything in the past. All uh, friendships, fellowships, anything that may hesitate or cause them a problem in their marriage. God wants them. And they're to forsake all others, as they said, for better or for worse, as the Bible tells us, and until death do us part. That's what marriage is meant. And God is looking for people that are sold out, as I mentioned. Married people are sold out to each other. You know, you say something about my wife, it gets me upset. I hopefully she'll if you say something about me. You know, that's the way we should be. That's the way we should be. And you say something about my Jesus, I get upset. Absolutely. If you use if you use the word to to uh, do something ugly, and people do that. People do that. You know, y'all know Satan knows God's word better than we do. God tells us he does. And he'll use it against us. He'll use it wherever he can against us. And he does to separate us. So, um, I, I ended up last week about Romans 6 and 6 where Apostle Paul described our relationship with Jesus. Again, talking about being separated. Uh, the language of old man versus the new man. And uh, with this understanding, it, it really reveals what it means that it's a set-apart experience. We forget. We're separated. And it's almost like being separated, the Bible tells us, in death because Jesus is life. We separate our sin is death. Jesus is life. So that's the... Uh, the, the blood of Jesus is powerful. 
Very powerful. All right, tonight's uh, study. Uh, talking about the, he's praying now for the generations unborn. Let me read to, uh, my wording of uh, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone, not only the disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me, being Jesus, through their message. And in verse 21, that all of them may be one. This is the kind of main uh, uh, message tonight to me about um, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you, you and I are, uh, are you in me and I'm in you, may they also be uh, in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now notice what he says there. May they also be in us so that the world... In other words, we got to be in Jesus. we got to have all our faith in Jesus. Jesus has got to be in us. Just like Him and His Father is for us to go forward and, and have the strength that He wants us to be. I think about Jesus' prayer. He had uh, all of us in His mind. Many centuries later, He was talking about His whole church. And he was, he, I, I think that's... It, if when you really let it sink into your heart that Jesus was praying for me. Think about that. Jesus was praying for me. I thought about Jesus' prayer uh, as, with 11 disciples. When you think about this whole prayer now, you think about it, every single thing that Jesus has prayed for has been answered. Every single thing except in the final, as we know in the final revelation. But everything that He's prayed for. The eleven, what did they do? God protected them. They went out and did what He said. From the very beginning, when you really think about what His prayer was, everything going forward has happened just like Jesus said it would. And Jesus prayed. That's a wonderful thought. He would, and that's the same thing He is to all of us. If we all believe and trust Him. The vine. The word divine, I, I talked about that a while back, but I thought about how He's even connected us in the same Holy Spirit through all the centuries. He's connected His church and built His church from those original level. And 11. And then when the Holy Spirit came down, there was 120, obviously it was a lot more believers. So the, the branches would reach every generation. Every generation. Jesus' love to save the world, and it remains constant. I, I went back and looked at... First, uh, uh, or went to First John, I knew somewhere, I, I remember God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, whether it's in First uh, John chapter 4, 7 through uh, 16. Jesus tells us He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, describing who He is, and that He never changes. He never changes. He's not changed. We're the one changed. He's constantly pouring life into people today. You know, as we're sitting here right now, there's people being saved in this world. Hallelujah. I believe that. I believe there's people being sanctified. I believe there's people being filled with the Holy Ghost because Jesus is out there working in the hearts and minds of people that want Him to work in their mind and heart. He's continually being that branch, that vine that connects people together. Prayer principle number nine I want to introduce you as we move forward in, the lights, in tonight's lesson. Spiritual leaders and Christians with their heart like Jesus have a worldwide, multi-generation vision that intercedes for unity in the faith as they plan for their tomorrows. I want to say that again. Let me say that again. Spiritual leaders and Christians with a heart like Jesus have a worldwide, multi-generation vision that intercedes for unity in the faith as they plan for 
their tomorrows. So as we look for tomorrow, it starts right here in planning His unity and being together and loving each other and going forward. He, and, and, and I think about the saints of old. I think about the start of this church. I believe today God blesses this church because of those 100 people that got filled with the Holy Spirit and came over here and was meeting in a pack house. Y'all know what a pack house is? It's an old tobacco pack house and then they built this place right here. And it was only this part. And then they, Brother Tatum, I think, is the one that helped build the second part over here. Classrooms and all. But I think about that. And I remember... As a young man, a lot of things I remember about them saints. And we as kids now, we thought some of it was kind of funny when John Lemmy Pittman's teeth would fall out and he got to dancing and some of the ladies that had balls on their heads, the, the, the hair would fall out. and You know, as kids, but, but you know what? It, it, was the, it was the power. You know, we felt something. We felt something as kids. We knew God's Holy Spirit was working. And I remember Flawdy Broughton. Y'all remember some of these names? I remember him saying a prayer that was powerful about not only God blessing the church and touching the church, and he was talking about the next day and the next day. And then he talked about, you know, he'd say words like, a year from now, God, we want to be doing this. I mean, he was always planning and thinking about, and those things just ring in my ears. Even though I was a, 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 a kind of mischief and an active little boy, I still remember those Christians' prayers. And I remember those saints that uh, when they cook chickens and whatever, and they'd be out there gathering and they talking and just so many things that I, I remember. And not once. You know what? Maybe it's because I was naive and didn't think about it. But not once. Hallelujah. Do I remember them saying anything negative about anybody else or anything else. They talked about how God is blessing us. You know, isn't it wonderful? What a beautiful day. You know, the the... the the, the, the class is doing this and the members doing this and so and so did this. It was always encouraging. It was always encouraging. Do we find ourselves today doing that kind of thing? <clears throat> the quality of Jesus, in other words, this quality of thinking about the next generation, again, confirms who Jesus Christ really is. I want to keep repeating because everything He does confirms who He really is. Um, Jesus knew the problem of sin was universal. It was in all people, all generations, the old devil, the crisis of sin, what is going to be forever. He also knew that the only solution was Him. Sin was going to be everywhere. All, uh, all, and, and, and all we have to do is ask for forgiveness. Everywhere, anywhere in the world today. God is sending a clear message that you cannot earn salvation. Think about it. God sends a clear message that His Son, Jesus Christ, the one that is praying this prayer, that He is, you know, the salvation, the way, as the sanctification and the filling of the Holy Spirit, which that is He. He's, he's letting us know. All Did y'all know all world religions today? Go study any of them. Do y'all know how they say you get to heaven? By works. Or by doing something. Think about it. Go look, read and study on some other religions. All other re Christianity. Jesus Christ is the only one that clearly says He is the one that you've got to accept and ask for forgiveness. 
He's the only way into heaven. All these other religions aren't accurate. And I'm not talking about Baptists and Methodists now. I'm, I'm, y'all know what I'm talking about. They're some really radical, and I'm not going to mention them on the air tonight, but, but there's a lot of religions out there. If it has anything to do with how you earn your way into heaven, it ain't true. It's a lie to devil. Jesus knew not a single person could redeem themselves or himself before God. It was useless for anybody to try. He knew that. And that's why he died and went to the cross for, for us. And the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news because it's about love. It's about grace. It's about God's grace for us. Loving us. And dying for us. Sending His Son. Jesus dying on the cross offered everybody a new way. A new life. An eternal life. Because God loved mankind. He did this great thing. Now I want to get into unity a little bit. When He gives us a new birth, it is the way to live in peace and in unity with God. When you stay connected to God, you stay connected through the vine. And what you will stay connected to is joy, peace, love, and unity. The simple message of gospel of Jesus Christ begins with the recognition. Think about this. It begins in your heart recognizing once you're saved and you truly understand that you're saved, the thing that you recognize is you now become a messenger for Jesus Christ. You ever thought about that? That came into my heart this week as I'm studying that. We don't always think about, well, I, got, I just got saved, and now my job is to be a messenger. Well, that's, that's it. That's what God tells us the Word is. We are now to become to, to teach the world. We want to change the world. Every single one of us can help change the world, not only in our teaching as I'm in, and not only in our word testimony, but in our actions and our life testimony, which speaks much louder, much, much louder than words. Every generation is connected to, uh, to the Lord's vine. His true church finds unity only through Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ. I believe the word when it says to us that devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. I believe that. I believe that. And I believe that the primary goal. I even had a little bit of humor while I'm sitting there. I thought about, I bet when he has his, the devil has his staff meeting, meeting each week. You know, think about it. The devil is trying to destroy, first of all, I believe, the family. I believe that. He is trying, and look what's going on in the world. His first objective is to destroy the family. If he destroys the family, then the second thing, what does he do? He destroys the church. And he wants to destroy the church family. I believe that he, you know, that is his primary objective. And how he steals, kills, and destroys, it is our soul, our spirit, our family. You know, it's everything about us. I believe it's a primary goal of his. That he wants to destroy. Because you know why? Because the Word clearly says to us, a house divided falls or fails. It's clear. So devil, how does he win? He divides us. He, it's like the, the, the wartime in... in, 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 in when they're strategizing about winning a war, divide and conquer. 
divide and conquer. Get this group over here and we can tackle them. Send all our boys over there. Or we can, we can tackle them. Get them one piece at a time. Well, that's what the devil does, I believe. He tries to destroy us one, time, one at a time. And, and, and the devil knows. The devil knows uh, how to divide us. You know, I think about uh, the world we live in today. The world we live in today. The devil also knows all the different technologies, all the different tools, all the things that he can use to destroy us. He can use to destroy us. You know, I think about uh, you know uh, the things of the world that can destroy you, the alcohol, the drugs, all the things that can destroy you, but I also think about the technology. I am not a Facebook user. I'll be honest with you. But the Facebook and the, even the bishop mentioned it is, it is a devil's tool. Facebook is a devil's tool. And Facebook also, I know these people that use the Word of God to divide, destroy, and hurt God's church. Do you know they're going to have to answer to that? I believe every one of them will answer to that. If You know what? Uh, I believe if you love God's church, the only thing you're going to put out there anywhere is about the love that God put in your heart. That's the only thing. Anything else is, I think, of the devil. Hallelujah. Jesus' vision to love the people and save the world remains a constant. As it tells us in 1 John 4, 7 He tells us that He is the same forever. And I want to say because He loved us. Jesus loved us. When you stay connected with Jesus, He will love you. Not only in your uh, um, teaching, but in your living. As I conclude tonight, I want to share a few thoughts. This is going to take a few minutes too. I'm not quite done, but I am concluding with um, a lot of thoughts about unity. I'm going to use three different kind of words or categories. Relationships, fellowship, and one body. That's what the Bible tells us. And I'll be using some scriptures in some of this. First, I want to say as I... I talk about these last few things, is you cannot have unity without Jesus Christ living in your heart. You just can't have it. Can't have it. You've got to have Jesus Christ in your heart. The next thing I want to talk about is relationship. Treating each other as brother and sister for the family is emphasized in the Bible and we are a family. We are the body of church. The fact is, God's family, His church family, as He calls, has been established by God. Think about this. God's church is His. God's church is established by Him. We have no choice of who's going to be in that church. I don't know why I'm saying all this tonight. This is in my heart. This is in my heart. The more I studied, the more it penetrated in my heart. I even told God, I don't know if I should say that or not, but I'm going to say it. Many things tonight. There is, we don't have a choice who will be in the body of Christ or whether or not they will be our sister or brother. You ever thought about that? When somebody's saved, they're in the body of Christ. They are our sister and brother. And we are to have a relationship with them. It simply exists. And we must be brotherly and sisterly love in Christians, the same way we would do our own family. We must love them. We must be committed to them. 
We must be committed to helping them. We must be committed to praying for them. We must committed, be committed to lifting them up, not tearing them down. All of us need help at any given time. We want our brothers and sisters praying for us, don't we? We all get down. We all have things in our life. We need to be committed to each other. That's what God's church is about. It is God's church. It is God. This is one clear way. Um, we must be committed. One clear way. There's a special bond among believers. There is. There's a special bond that we should be showing the world. And they obviously, as the Scriptures told us tonight, the world is going to be watching us. Everything that we do. We must always be ready to help each other and help build a relationship with each other. Just like we would a family. There's not a one of us in here, that a son or daughter, a brother or sister, that we wouldn't go out of our way to help them. Isn't that correct? To do whatever it took. Well, we should be doing the same thing for God's family. The uh, next thing I want to talk about uh, is fellowship with each other. Fellowshipping is a common experience in the Gospel. For example, the New Testament, when we look at uh, 1 John 1 and 3, uh, it tells us to fellowship with the Father. When I look at 1 Corinthians 10 and 16, it tells us we should fellowship with the blood and body of Christ. The blood and body of Christ. And then when I look at 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, it tells us, and we should fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at that. With the Father, with the blood, with the body, and with the Holy Spirit. God says we're all connected. We're all one. We are to be unified together. If any one of those things we're keeping separate from our life, then we're not doing what God wants us to do. We should be together. We should be together. We should be unified as Jesus is praying. Fellowship basically means, to you and I, I'm putting it in simple terms, that we should be spending time together. We should be praying together. We should be worshiping together. That's fellowshipping. That's what we should be doing. So, uh, you know, for those that physically can't come to church, I understand. And God bless them. But if you're staying out of church for whatever, any other reason... I really believe that you need to talk to God about that. It is very important that we fellowship. We should be fellowshipping together, worshiping together, praising together. You know, and even, I, I, thought, I went as far as talk about how many work projects. Sometimes, uh, I know I was told about a, a certain very, very large church that there's only a handful of people. And my, my, she's actually where my niece goes to church. Says we got a thousand people in the church. And the same 30 or 40 people that started the church are basically the workers. It's hard to get people today to work in the church. Do you know as, uh, it's important from a fellowshipping standpoint that we work together? Most time, and y'all see me, I'm wide open when I'm here working. I never miss any event. I don't know that I've ever missed any kind of event that's ever been. And I ain't bragging on it. I'm just talking about how much it blesses me to talk to people and to be with people, to help, support. I, you know, I even come set up Tables for women's ministry. I've seen other people do it. God wants us fellowshipping and working together. We should be working together. And you know, that includes everybody. That includes, you know, the pastor and his wife, the, the uh, deacons, 
And all leadership should be working together for all one ministry, whatever that ministry may be, whatever that objective may be. Fundraisers, suppers, whatever it may be. We should be working together. Doing everything we can because it reaches the loss. It reaches the loss. When I think about, I thought about one time when Billy was telling me that he only had like 45 people at the Methodist Church, something like that, that attend there. And then there was another conversation going on when he said uh, to me, Mac, and if he's listening tonight, it's okay. He said, Mac, when we have a, a barbecue chicken cooking, he said, we have 40 to 45 people there. So basically, their church represents their chicken cooking. Isn't that a wonderful kind of thing? I'm not pointing my fingers at anybody. I'm just saying that is what God intended for His fellowship. That is what God intended for His people to be in fellowship together. Doing everything that we can and sharing each other's thought in our lives. And even uh, uh, We need people we can talk to, don't we? That's fellowshipping. Someone we can open up to. And, 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 cause there's, a, there's a lot of us has personal things in our life there's only certain people that we can talk to about. And those are very important. God wants us to fellowship together, to pray for each other. We need, all need somebody that we can talk to and uh, pray together. It's very important that we do that. And then the last thing I'll, I'll share is being one body. One body. This is the one image that is stressed in the, in the New Testament many, 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 many times about being, bot, being a body of Christ. One body. And it stresses unity of one body. One, think about it like this. And I now know why the word is used so many times. Think about it. This, this kind of humorous. If I cut this arm off and throw it down on the floor, it is absolutely useless. It is no good to me. Any body part missing or detached from the body is not functional. It's not working. You ever thought about it like that? That's why God uses the word body. The body needs every part working together to fully functional. We need both hands. We need both arms. We need everything together to be fully functional. And that's what God is telling us in the body of His church. What Jesus, what Jesus throughout the generations is praying for, to be unified together. That we should be unified. That we should be one. We should be praying for each other and, and supporting each other as one. Nothing about the body can function normally unless it's all together. The great Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the body is a unit though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body, as I just talked about. Paul said that. So it is at the same with the body of his church and in the body of Christ. We must be all baptized with one Spirit and one Holy Spirit together. What is our part? I'll end tonight by saying this. What is our part? What is going to be your part of God's church that will help build His kingdom? What is it that you can do to help unify God's church? And first we have to begin with our own lives, I believe. Our own relationship with God. That has to be first in our life. We must have a relationship with God. And then we can ask God to give us, to uh, help us build our relationship with others, fellowship with others, loving each other, and supporting each other. I know this was a little unusual ending, 
but I really feel in my heart that uh, that's what Jesus is saying. You know, the Word put this in my heart. When you really, now, and then when I get through, we'll read it again. Say, so let's read it again. Let's see what he's saying about what I just talked about. Neither I pray for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. But listen, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. Let's go ahead and read the next verse that we talk about next week. And the glory which Thou givest me, I have given them, that they may be one, as we are one. So how do we get the glory of God? How do we get the blessings of God? We are one. That's what He's telling us in His Word tonight. As I end tonight, I've been mentioning to you, I won't go through them tonight, I've mentioned to you there's ten principles. I've given you now nine of them. I want to read number nine one more time, and then we'll close. The ninth principle, um, spiritual leaders and Christians with a heart like Jesus have a worldwide, multi-generational vision. That's pretty big and pretty broad. But that's, I really think when uh, those, those words of Jesus was not only talking about here in Pine Level, it was talking about in the mission field, it was talking about everywhere, throughout all the generations, that they intercede for unity in the faith as they plan for their tomorrows. Think about that. I really believe and know that this is coming from the Word of God. Know this. Know this. Thank you for being a part of this Bible study. Thank you for being here. Would you stand with me and we'll be just Thanks for tuning in to our live stream here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church. If you want more information about our church, go to our website, pinelevelphc.org. That's pinelevelphc.org. You can check out pictures, events coming up. Also, watch other services that you may have missed. Also, you can download our free app through the Google Play or the iOS App Store. You can watch our services live or on demand. And you can get push notifications about upcoming events here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Holiness Church, as well as check out other in information that's going on here. Also, Facebook users, search Facebook for uh, Pine Level PHC and you can like our page on Facebook, get notifications when we go live, check out pictures and other things that we post through Facebook. If you're a YouTube fan, go to YouTube, search Pine Level PH Church and subscribe to our channel and get notifications when we go live. You can watch our services live or on demand through YouTube. We also have a podcast available for the people who can't watch. You can listen while you drive or work. Go to your favorite podcast provider or you can go to our website or the app for the quick link to the podcast. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. Tune in again Sunday morning at 1030 or Sunday night at 6 p.m. and Wednesday at 7. God bless.